0: Welcome to The Pen and the Yod. Rabbi Michael Siegel of Anshay Emmet Synagogue in Chicago talks with author Jonathan Igg about this week's Torah portion of Balak. How is a culture and a tradition passed down?
1: Can you name that tune?
0: <laughs> I hate when you put me on the spot like that. Matovu, it's Matovu.
1: Uh, there, there you go. Very good. <laughs> so that that's, and, and we sing this prayer in synagogue a lot, but, but and I'm not going to torture you anymore, but were I to ask you who, where does that, where does that prayer come from? Who originally said it? That's, um, that may be less well known, but it has a lot to say to us, I think. So, Matovu comes from This week's portion, how convenient. Um, And it's spoken by a non-Jewish prophet by the name of Bilam, who was basically a prophet for hire. He was hired by King Balak to curse the Israelites as they passed through his land because he didn't want them there and he was afraid of them. It's an interesting story, and he has a confrontation not only with God, but with a donkey. And at the end, he looks down on the people of Israel and is unable to curse them, but instead praises them. And he says, How goodly are your tents, O Jacob, your dwelling places, O Israel. And from this, we extrapolate a whole uh, variety of different lessons. And, It's a beautiful tune. It's a beautiful way to begin our worship service. But I think it raises a really interesting question. What is the purpose of the Jewish home? What is the purpose of the synagogue? And do you actually need both?
0: That's a really interesting question, especially now with uh, what we've been living through the last year, because we've only had our homes and our homes have become our offices and our synagogues and our concert halls and our movie theaters. And I think more than ever, you know, we're yearning to have other places which the home has become, uh, can't handle all of that. Maybe there's something we can draw from that about why we need to leave our home sometimes to pray. And obviously, you know, you have more people around you when you go to synagogue, you're praying in a community and the power of the prayer, I think feels feels greater when it's magnified, when you're just as just as it feels greater when you're in a concert hall surrounded by hundreds of thousands of people who are feeling the same thing as you hearing the same thing at the same moment that you're hearing it. I feel like there's, there's nothing that replaces that kind of
1: power. There's no question, because we've really become home bodies by force. We spend lots of time in our homes, We've gotten actually fairly comfortable being in our homes. The cable networks and all of these other streaming services have really catered to people watching series and streaming and all the rest. And synagogues have come into the home and you can you know stream not only on services, but you can stream other services from around the country. And so being at home is a, is a totally different experience in many ways than it was a year ago, including Zoom. Right, you can talk to people, you can see them, and we're comfortable with Zoom. I think we've really gained that comfort level. Amongst the commencement addresses, we should all kind of get a little degree from going to Zoom University.
0: Yeah, you know, and you've become like a, a TV talk show host. You're on every night uh, with a new group of uh, of guests. It's like watching the uh, the Jimmy Kimmel Show or something. Um, only you know you're funnier. Um, oh, yeah.
1: <laughs> but, you know, I wonder
0: how that feels for you. A, you know, not having a live audience. And then B, not praying with a group of people around you to feel that energy coming
1: back. Thanks for the question. Because I think just from a uh, teaching perspective, having people on Zoom is actually very easy to, to to manage. And you can read your audience very quickly on Zoom because you're seeing their faces. But what's missing is the socialization, the cup of coffee afterwards, the conversation about what we just had a conversation about. That's missing. And th- I think that's highly problematic and I think where you really see this is in um in worship. I mean I can't tell you how weird and serialistic it is to stand in a sanctuary with twelve hundred seats when it's just there's three people in there. There's a cantor, the rabbi and the tech person in the back of the room. Community. It's and about staring being together a in that community in a very powerful, uh way the I power in that that and the well. effect. You go straight. out, you interview people, and you haven't been doing that for years. So what is it like? Have you done an in-person interview since the restrictions are rounding around COVID to take effect?
0: Yeah, I just did my first one last week, and um, it, it felt beautiful, like to sit down with a, with a stranger and to say, tell me your life story. Um, you can do that over the phone, and you can do it over Zoom, but it lacks an intimacy. I realized just how much I miss it. And I think I've always known that it's better to interview someone in person, that you're going to establish a better rapport and you're going to get a more sincere level of communication. But this really um, was a powerful reminder. Maybe that's, we're talking about the same thing here. We're talking about the ability to communicate. Communicating is a two way street. You have to feel what you're getting from your audience. You can't just lecture at them. And I think that's obviously true. And worship it where you're sitting and where i'm sitting when we when we're at shul
1: and since the people have started to come back into the synagogue it's a very different experience where you can look at people if you say a joke and people laugh or when the cantor is singing and everybody's singing with the cantor it just feels different and human beings are social animals and so it really does re-engage us but i want to take this in a different direction because I think something else is being said here. There is a difference between a private space and a public space, and our experience of that. And one idea that one Rabbi David Teutsch recently wrote is that a civilization cannot be handed down in privacy. It cannot be handed down just by reading books to thrive Culture must be lived. And I'm thinking about our own society today. I'm thinking about our own world today and how when you are engaged with a computer screen and not in a conversation, if, you're, if you are examining culture or living culture alone, culture for one, if you will, that experience is very different than doing it in a public forum, learning it together having those conversations. So going from the dwelling place to the public space, which is the mishkenotecha, um, the mishkan, the worship space, that's a very different experience. And I think this is a very powerful lesson for, for us today.
0: I can think of you know a dozen different scenarios that we could discuss, beginning with School and the power of community, and how much more our kids learn from being together in school, regardless of what's going on in in their classroom or what their teachers are saying. Just the power of being in a community is huge, and it's it, it's a huge motivator, and it's a it's a huge way that we learn to be people. So much of what we do when we read Torah is is. Is meant to apply to our lives and our communities, right? So if you're just learning it in a bubble and you, you never leave the house and you never interact with strangers and you never have conflicts and you never have moments of surprise, how do you apply those lessons when you're not leaving the house?
1: So just one example is the breakdown in our society for civil discourse. What are the advantages of being in a public forum? When you are listening to ideas, hearing ideas, is that you're going to hear not only ideas you agree with, but you're also going to hear ideas you don't agree with. You're going to have to figure out ways to live in that society knowing that your next door neighbor or the person, you know, your butcher has very different views than you do. And we don't just cut them out. We don't just vilify them. We don't just walk away from them. A healthy society allows for conversation and allows for conversations and debates that are thoughtful and civil and hard. That is very much missing in our society. And an American civilization is not being handed down, I don't think, in a way that is positive today. We don't have that give and take. It's already preformed. And we are led by our biases more than anything else.
0: And we can just unfollow somebody who we don't want to take the time to try to listen to or understand or even debate with or argue with, usually you're the one who brings this back to our portion. But I wonder in this portion, whether... This is a
1: great day. Thank you. I got
0: to keep you on your toes. But when um, when, when Balaam, you know, praises the uh, the houses of worship, maybe it's not the physical structure he's praising. Maybe it's the idea that um, they have this huge number of people coming together in one place. And certainly in the desert, that must have been pretty unusual, right?
1: Yeah, I I would think so. I, and, they're, and they're standing together. They're standing together. There's a very interesting midrash. Matobu begins, how goodly are your tents, O Jacob? And so the rabbis say, what made their tents so good, right? What was it that Bilam was seeing? And the rabbis say that the the entrances of the tents never faced each other right so one entrance would face one way and then the guy across the way his entrance would face another direction so you couldn't see inside of the other tent so it there was a respect there was a respect for privacy but there was also kind of a respect for not judging someone else right to kind of look away and not be a gossip, if you will, or not be a person of constantly looking for fault, we give people the space they need for their own privacy, and you hope that they'll do the same for us. So I just think it's a really interesting way of looking at it, so that, yes, it's great to be together. It's great when we are in a public forum, but there's also room for privacy or giving people space to be themselves.
0: Hmm, that's interesting. I, we're talking about tents here, so it's uh, it's you know obviously not talking about how ostentatious they are, but yeah, maybe it's the service that they provide, the kind of intimacy, the closeness of the gathering. That's uh, that is what uh, strikes him as remarkable.
1: But there, but there is a time for intimacy. There is a time to see another person. There is a time to be together publicly. There is a time for synagogues to open or churches or mosques and be together, but there's also a time for privacy and it's in the balance, home, synagogue, individual, community. All of that is kind of kind of embedded in an ancient prayer. And I think that's just a powerful thing to think about as we come out of COVID. So thanks, Jonathan.
0: Thanks. I look forward to seeing you in the tent.
1: Okay, I'm looking forward to it.